So our, I, it was requested of me by our deacons that we would uh, spend a little bit of time in the book of Revelation as we prepare for, well, as we prepare for teaching on evangelism that's going to be happening in August. And so with that, we're going to be looking at Revelation 1 today. And we'll only be in Revelation for a few weeks. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I was asked to, to preach through the, the cities in the, that uh, John talks about in the book of Revelation. But before that, we needed to look at this vision of the Son of Man. So if you please rise as we look at Revelation 1. Whoops. Thanks, Nathaniel. 1 verses one th- or 12 through 20. Because this passage here sets up the rest of the vision. This is John's vision of Christ. Revelation 1, verses 12 through 20. And I read in Jesus' name. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In the right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, And the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars, are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let us pray. Father, as we meditate on these words, I ask that you would grant us understanding. Lord, that we might see you properly. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So today, for... Our sermon time, um, I'm gonna, this is going to be fairly short, <laughs> which reading through this is like I'm, I'm nuts to think that this is going to be, that I can explain anything in fairly short. But um, I'm going to shorten my time because we had an assignment. And that assignment was that this last week you would be praying, you'd be spending time praying in the Acts manner, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so the purpose of that was to be able to give testimony then as we prayed through that. How did God speak to you as you tried disciplining your prayer time? And so actually it was interesting for me that as I was striving to discipline my prayer time into the Acts model that God was using this text for me. Because I don't usually spend much time in adoration, I've, I've found. I don't spend much time just praising God for who He is. And as I was Reading through this is like this is a this is a fantastic revelation of who Jesus is. 
this vision of God, the Son of God. And as I was praying in Acts, you know, praying the Acts method, I was trying to envision this vision. Because John is trying, that's what he's given to us. He's given to us a picture. Who is this? And as I was thinking about these things, you know, the reality is, this is huge. Who Jesus is, is huge. It, he, is, he is terrifying. Because you don't have to close your eyes. I have a hard time envisioning things if I don't close my eyes. I, I don't know why. I just am so um, stimulated through what I see uh, that I end up having to close my eyes in order to properly envision something. But think about this. John is standing there and he hears this voice behind him and he turns around and this is the being that confronts him. He doesn't know who this is at this point. This is the being that confronts him. He sees one that's standing among seven, seven golden lampstands, which that's weird, and in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man. Like a son of man. He didn't look 100% human. Kind of looking sort of like a son of man. He clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. Okay, at this point, that's, that's not so weird. But then the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. And in the Greek, you get this idea of this gleam. He is shining. And so he is now confronted with a shining one. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. And that's speaking about the loudness, about the grandness, the greatness of just his voice as he's proclaiming these things. And then in his right hand, he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. As you interact with this vision, is this someone that's friendly? <laughs> They just want to embrace. Like, this is God. This, this is God revealing himself in his glory and in his majesty, but holding it back. This glory isn't the full glory of God. This majesty isn't the full majesty of God. This is a dumbed-down version because what does God tell us in the Pentateuch? He tells Moses that anybody who sees me is going to die. This is just reality. And so this vision that John's having, this vision of the grandeur of God, isn't even the full vision of the grandeur of God. This is just a part. This is a small aspect of who God really is. And so as you envision that, is this the sort of being that if you saw him out, standing out on the parking lot when you walked out of church today, that you'd be like, that's my homeboy. You probably wouldn't use those terms. No. I don't, John doesn't seem to. Because when John sees Jesus, what does he do? He drops down as if dead. And it's just overwhelmed with the reality of who this is. Because John knew Jesus. John knew Jesus in a way that we don't know Jesus. Because John walked with Jesus throughout Jesus' ministry. John talks in the book of 1 John that we saw the glory of God. And now when John is seeing the glory of God revealed to a higher level, he falls down as though dead. 
No, this is the glory of God revealed in a more glorious manner. But then how does Jesus, what does Jesus do? Touches John with his right hand and says, fear not. So when we interact with God, is it wrong? Is the fear of God wrong? No. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, Psalm 119 talks about my flesh trembles the sight of you. You know, and so the reality of God is a fearful thing. God is terrifying because God is huge. God, you know, Jesus tells us, don't fear the person who can kill your body. Fear him who can throw you both body and soul into hell. And so the fear of God is legitimate because it's a proper view of God because God is great. But it's not the only view of God because John also tells us in the book of 1 John that perfect love casts out all fear. And so the reality of God is calling us to him. And as I've been spending time adoring God this week, trying to spend time in, in praise and in adoration of who, for who God is, this tension was really fascinating because it's God is terrifying and yet God still puts his hand on my shoulder and says, Joe, don't. Don't just fear. Fear not. Fear not. Because this God is not against me. Isn't that fascinating? This God is not against me. This is the God that's for me. This is the God that loves even me. This is the God that cares about my life. This is the God that watched over dad during surgery. This is the God that granted the doctors wisdom. This is the God that has organized this world. This is the God that keeps it running. This is the God that keeps my heart beating. This is the God that provided us the breakfast that we had. This is the God that invented something so glorious as coffee so you guys can stay awake. <laughs> this is that God. This is God. God says, fear not. So as we interact with this God, we can interact with him in terror, but at the same time, this is the God that is for us. This is the God that we sing about that says, come, you should come to me. You're looking for satisfaction in this world? No, look to me. You're looking for a government to guide you and lead you and protect you? No, look to me. You're looking to wealth to give you peace? You're looking to your environment to give you hope? No, look to me. You're looking to Facebook to grant you joy? <laughs> look to Jesus. Facebook can't do that. Look to Jesus. This is the God. This is the God that puts his hand on our shoulders and says, don't be afraid. He knows who he is. And he knows who we are. And he says, don't be afraid. Because we're not pulling anything over God's eyes, are we? We're not fooling him. He knows us. And he says, hey, don't be afraid. This is God. This is the Son of Man. This is the Ancient of Days. This is God. Jesus Christ, we're told, Paul says to us that he is the exact imprint of God. Think about that. 
So if this God says, fear not. What's wrong with me? It's God. He calls us to fear not. He says, trust to me. He says, come, come, just come. And so as I've been adoring God this week, you know, I've been doing the whole thing. But I, I practice confession. I practice thanksgiving. I practice supplication. But I found I didn't practice adoration. And I missed the reality of who God is. Because I've just focused on what he does. So this is the God that is. He's not just a God that works. But he works out of his very character. He doesn't do nice things to me because finally I've gotten my act together. Because this God knows me in and out. He's the one that walks in our midst. He's the one that's here now. Did you know that? He's here. This God is here. He walks amongst the lampstands. And we are one of those lampstands. And I'll get into that as we go through the book of Revelation. Or go through the first, (laughs) not the whole book, the first seven chapters. So that's what God now, you guys, as you give testimony, you don't have to go quite that in-depth. <laughs> I am the pastor. This is, you know, why I'm not wearing a tie. And so usually I say that's why I wear, a t- wear the tie and get paid the big bucks. But, uh, you know, this is, this is what God taught me as I sought to adore this week. So as you guys prayed through the... How, ma- how many of you prayed, disciplined yourself to pray acts this week? Some of you? Did God show you guys anything? Oh, I've got... Anybody be willing? Nathaniel, could we... Anybody be willing to give testimony of what God did? Peg? Just notice, though. It wasn't so much what he did, okay? But... um, all three of those do are more uh, concentrated on us. Confession, thanksgiving for what he's done for us, supplication, asking for more. <laughs> um, a, adoration was the, only, was the one that really focused on God, you know, others. But anyway, and then I was thinking, it seems like that's how Jesus told us to pray the Lord's Prayer. But I don't find the Thanksgiving in that one. And I just wondered why. There's got to be, I don't know, maybe I just don't see it. But, um, is it, I mean, because we're thankful for him. I mean, I, I don't, I'm just wondering if there's a reason. And, and is that where we came up with the ACTS anyway? I don't know. But, um, but anyway, that, and that's nothing really. Nothing that he did, but just something that I observed. That's good. And the no. A is more difficult for some reason, to realize who he is. I mean, I, I'm, for me... I'm struggling I, if I should keep pushing you on that. <laughs> oh, well, you can push me. But. but because, why? Why is adoration... Why is that harder for us? I don't know, to come up with the... I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. Say that louder, Linda. You know, it's easy to give 
it's easy to give one compliment to somebody, but if we have to think of a whole lot of things that we like about that person or that they're good at or whatever, it's hard for us to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Lisa. Okay, so first I'm going to go off of what you guys are saying about the adoration because the same thing. Um, when I usually pray before I did the acts, um, I'd start off with Thanksgiving. I found out that was, I was, I was mistaking the Thanksgiving and for adoration. And so when I started with the Acts, the first thing I started thanking the Lord for this and this and this, and then I wait, wait, Thanksgiving's at the end. I got to fo focus on the adoration and telling God who he is and how amazing he is and all these things that he created and just, you know, pouring myself out to him in that way instead of the Thanksgiving. So that, that brought up a new aspect for me too because I was, you know, mistaking the two. And I never really defined them as two separate things. So that was new. And, um, you know, and I brought this up to you <laughs> the one day we were talking about um, that the confession now, you know, I ask for forgiveness of my sins and some things will pop to mind, but when you have that moment, okay, now I'm going to talk about confession, and things are brought to mind that I didn't even think of before, that I've never thought of before. Like, I'm praying confession, and then, oh, you got to, you know, you got to, okay, you're dealing with self-pity, you know, you got to deal with that, you know, and then there's, you know, just things are coming out that I wasn't even that I'd never really thought of before. They're just popping out in my head for the confession time. And I don't know if it's just because it was that time that was just supposed to be focused on confession or, or if God was like, all right, yeah, we did the, I went through the adoration and get into the confession and the Holy Spirit's like, okay, now let's deal with a few things here that we haven't looked at before because you've never really spent time really deeply in just confession, you know, unless there's something obvious that <laughs> I guess that's about it. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, whenever, whenever we ask God to show up, he does. And so when we set aside that time, it, it does seem that God God works according to the time that we set aside. Just kind of going off of what Lisa said, when we, when we focus our time on, first on who God is and why we should praise him, now we, can, we compare ourselves to that. Rather than if we just do confession, we're kind of comparing ourselves, well, what are we comparing ourselves to? What are we looking to see you know, our failings, our, our faults and things. But when we put God in the right place and put ourselves in the right place with him, um, 
you know, as Lisa was talking, it's just like, well, yeah, because we look at God first and then we see, well, yeah, I'm not there. Good. Thank you, Jim. Beth. I, get, I wasn't here last Sunday, but I listened to your YouTube videos, so I knew what you were going to ask. Good. But um, so I was in the mornings on these beautiful summer, summer mornings, I sit outside on my porch and just take in the beautiful early morning time. And, and uh, I was thinking about the adoration thing and just looking at the dew on the grass and and you know how that forms and how was a blade of grass formed and and the psalm I was reading for the day was Psalm 53 which says the fool says in his heart there is no God and uh, I so I just thought about that and um, so how did this world come into being are are we able to take a molecule and form them into a a simple blade of grass, or even take several atoms and make them into the right kind of air to breathe. Um, people that, it says in Psalm 53, that people that um, say in their heart there's no God, they're just full of dread in their life. And um, so... Um, Where we, we don't have to dread because we can trust in God, it says in verse 5. And um, so if someone doesn't know God, who do they trust in? They must trust in themselves and or in other people who are flawed. No wonder that the world is full of fear and dread. And, um, and that's our world now. We see it with all the shootings and everything. Um, so as long as people can't put their trust in God, I, I don't see how they can be helped. You know, it's, so I guess that's where, you know, we just learning to adore him and be thankful and confess our own lack of trust. And then um, supplication, I guess we just have to know he is sovereign and, and his Holy Spirit will just have to draw people to him. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Beth. And so why why do we do this testimony time? What what promise as you guys think of scripture, what promise does God give us about testimonies? You know? Revelation twelve tells us that the saints conquered through the, the blood of the Lamb, yep, and the word of their testimony. And so as Lisa and I were talking about this, um, what day was that? Was that Friday? I suppose, something like that, uh, before confirmation. The, the reality is, our, the kingdom of God comes further, it grows further, it expands out through our testimony. How has the word of God interacted with your life this week? As, as we're interacting with the word of God, we now have something to bring into this world. But then as I bring that into this world, it also sinks deeper into me. Because how many, of, how many of you would like the kingdom of God to come into your life more? 
I would. Well, how do we do that? It's through the word of my testimony. So as I give testimony to Janet, even though Janet's a Christian, those truths still sink into my life more. Now, if I'm spending time throwing a pity party with Janet, those truths sink into my life more too. And so what truths do you want sinking into your life? What, what do you want to reinforce? And so as we're giving testimony, the purpose of us giving testimony isn't just to bring the gospel to another, but it's to bring the gospel again to me. Because I need the gospel preached to me. And sometimes, as one of my friends once said, sometimes we've got to preach to ourselves. David does it. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Hope in God. That's David preaching to himself in the book of Psalms. <laughs> He's giving testimony to himself in the book of Psalms. And so as we give testimony to these things, the kingdom of God comes out and the kingdom of God comes in. And we need it in too. And they need it out. Like Beth was saying, they have no hope. They're trusting in themselves. There's that old saying, the man who speaking about your right to um, represent yourself in the court of law, the man who is his own client, or the, the man who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. And so also then the, the man who is his own God has a fool for a worshiper. Because we saw God today. You know, Revelation 1. Who of you are like this God? The hairs of his head were white like wool. Well, some, some of us, well, not all of us. Um, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. How many of you are like this God? We have a God who's greater than us. And we need to tell the world about this God because the world needs to hear it and we need to hear ourselves saying it too. And so... As this year progresses, we're going to continue to do these testimony times. Why? Because Pastor Joe's tired of preaching. No. I love talking. You guys know that. You don't have to agree quite so much, Elizabeth. <laughs> but because we need these things. We need to be giving testimony for our sake. For the sake of the congregation. For the sake of the world. Because again, if we can't do it here, how can we do it out there? If I'm ashamed of the gospel in church, I'm going to be ashamed of the gospel in front of someone who's antagonistic towards it. If I can't be brave in front of people who love me, how can I be brave in front of people who despise me and despise what I stand for? So, so we're going to do this again. Exactly when? I don't know. Because I'm not that organized. <laughs> but we're going to do it again. So let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for revealing to us who you are and what that means. We thank you for calling John, and as you call John, you call us to fear not. We thank you for being willing to put your hand upon us. Lord, and call us your own, to claim us, to touch us, to bless us, to hear us, to show up when we come to reveal your truth into our lives. Grant us the courage 
to share that with those who need to hear it. Grant us the courage to even share that with ourselves. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.